Hi Sam. Hello Veer, how are you? What are we talking about today? Um, I wanted to talk about something delicious. I'm terrified. <laughs> Welcome to the Tuesday Wine Club. <laughs> talk about the fact that i just learned today by myself to make croutons from scratch at home and isn't that just I'm, like frying bread no i didn't fry it i baked it tell me more yeah <laughs> walk so me through this it. process and um i also made the most delicious chicken caesar salad i'm so proud of myself because i always Honestly, who struggle is she? with the chicken caesar salad huh who is she Right? Like, like I left you for 2 days. Yeah, <laughs> I usually stick to like chopped salads and like simple like Asian dressings. Today I was like no, I want I like I was on Pinterest this morning and I was scrolling and I saw this really nice like green fresh chicken Caesar salad with like parmesan and stuff. Yeah. I didn't have parmesan in my house. I mean, I had like the, the like the regular supermarket version, but um I basically found like a dressing recipe adapted it from what i had in my house i felt so like on the fly master chef type like this was like a mystery box challenge you know i feel and like whenever we're sort of able to be in the same city again i feel like i'm going to yeah. start assembling just like mystery boxes for you can we actually make like that i feel thing? like it'll be like a fun friendship moment you know let's do it let's do it cuz i feel like i mean cuz you know we've discussed earlier about how you love to cook and i love to yeah. do dishes So yeah. and this makes like a really great sort of combination moment Although, for us. Also, I mean, I'm a bit of a weird cook in the sense I I clean up as I go. Like I hate having a messy counter. Like the funniest thing is a friend of mine and I um we we once uh, decided to bake cookies at home. Yeah. And we went and bought like store bought cookie dough because I refused to touch butter. <laughs> and so we bought like store bought cookie dough because <laughs> I refused to touch butter. I refused Kalandika to touch butter. Kalendika Samrudhi 2021. <laughs> And so we were making the cookies and stuff, and like she was like, you know, um, she put it in the oven, and by the time she turned it out from the oven, had put everything away. Everything was wrapped and back in the fridge. Dishes were in the sink, and she's like, "What the hell? Oh, I wanted to eat some. I just, I can't handle a messy okay, okay. counter." But also, getting to the point, can I make you mystery boxes? Yeah, of course you can. Okay, cool, cool. But getting back to the croutons, so, so I, so you're supposed to use like stale bread, and I. Didn't have stale bread in my house. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I didn't I have stale bread. I think it's just a thing. I just used like the last slices in the bread packet <laughs> at the bottom, and just like cut them up, um, like you know, drizzle some olive oil over it. I added like so the recipe just said put like put some oil. Oh, she drizzled some olive oil over it. I drizzled some olive oil over it. I put like I added salt, pepper, oregano, a little bit of chili flakes, just like mix it all up. Come put through, it in, like, on a baking tray. Yeah, like put it in a baking tray and stuff, and I had croutons in fifteen minutes, which were the best croutons I've ever had. And I felt croutons? very chefy because, like, I I made this in the in like in the morning, and I packed it away in like separate separate boxes. So like I kind of like assembled my lunch at lunchtime. I felt very chefy. I'm glad you had a decent productive day, and I presume weekend as well, because. I drank two bottles of wine by myself last night. 
I mean, you do you. Productive, I think. We're we're called the Tuesday Wine Club. Someone reason. has to keep the wine flowing. <laughs> I mean, okay. To be fair, I was at a friend's birthday, but like that's anyway. I have one question for you. Mm-hmm. It's been about six months into the year. Love that you felt compelled to remind me. Anyway, I mean, we are in June. Like this is not this is not news. <laughs> what is one meal? That has been like supremely significant in the last six months. Uh, it was actually just last week. What did you do? Nothing, dude. Um, BTS and McDonald's released the BTS meal in India, and I. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. Why don't you look at my Instagram stories? I did. I didn't focus so much. I was like, oh, cool, he's eating McDonald's. Cool. No, I was eating the BTS meal. No, oh, okay. guys, everyone, go get the BTS meal. It's literally just chicken nuggets. But like, go go get the BTS <laughs> meal. You get two new sauces and like stream butter. What butter? Stream butter. Oh, I thought one of the sauces was like cream butter. I was like, you shouldn't have that for your cholesterol. Oh god, no, 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 no. That new song is called butter. But yeah, okay, stream butter. On to the episode. Our guest tonight is one of the go-to authorities on ethical fashion design in India. Her brand Doodlech is one of the first homegrown labels to prioritize greener manufacturing processes. She's joining us today to chat about her journey as an entrepreneur, the state of conscious design in 2021, especially in India and lots more. Please join us and give a big the Tuesday Wine Club welcome to Kriti Tulla. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me over. Okay, so so the first question that we sort of start every one off with is What is your favorite wine or drink of choice? Um, red wine in general, but I'm not very choosy about you know the best of the best kind of wines. But uh, <laughs> like I like Pinot Noir uh, as a segment in red wine more than others. If that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Same. See, that's smarter than what I would say. I would just be like red or white. No, no. no white is definitely something that I don't enjoy. So. So where did the name Doodleage come from? And am I saying it right? Because I've heard some people say Doodleage. Yeah. I've heard I've heard it Doodleage all my life. Yeah. But people which one is it? Convince me to tell me that <laughs> um, you know you should call it Doodleage. Like, but it's my brand. Why though? <laughs> I Why? would like to call it Doodleage. <laughs> so yeah, but I have had all kinds of uh, very funny con like uh, pronunciations of the. Word. There was somebody who called it doodlage, which was the strangest. <laughs> But doodlage is correct. Good to know because my brain is still stuck. Yeah, on yeah, it's it's embedded in my head. Somebody actually called it doodlage. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I will just give you points on creativity. Yeah, because I remember like a few years ago, someone said, yeah, this, this whatever this thing I'm wearing is doodlage, and I'm just like, I'm fairly certain that's not how you say it. <laughs> yes. Oh, but so where did it come from though so doodlage uh, as a term as an idea actually started when i was working in college it was a project which was around sustainability and upcycling and uh, mm-hmm. it sort of stuck with me that uh, every piece that doodlage is a unique doodle in itself uh, it comes from the idea of mm-hmm. doodling and i felt that you know for me art is not something that everybody <coughs> could do but i think doodling is something that everybody can do and yeah. uh, with like all our artisans all our craftsmen our defects in the fabrics that we get or the problems that we get is not something that we can fix immediately at you know just one level mm. 
so everybody comes with its own uh, with their own idea of uh, you know doodling on an outfit it's it will more or less appear the same but it could have like a little bit of something that comes from a very specific artist yeah uh we would design just a doodle a bunch of doodles for each collection which would be little embroideries etc but uh it's very unique to every artisan as to how they want to place it where they want to place it which one or which artwork do they want to pick what color of a patchwork would they want to hmm. pick so there's a little bit of uh, you know every person in the outfit that you get so it becomes you know, all of that it's unique <laughs> Love yeah. it. Is, for for people who can't see, Veer is actually wearing some doodles oh, today. Oh, very cool. It was I my like, like, wait, I'll, like, I'll stand up. Huh, I, this was one of my favorite short patterns. That, Mine uh, too. We, <laughs> that we did. It wasn't <laughs> a basic short, but there were like very less. Wait, 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 no, no, no. Don't say it right now. There's a question coming later about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So what I really wanted to ask you was, so the sort of ethos and sustainable approach with which you started your brand has been like really 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 well established at this point yeah. but can you walk us through what actually setting up a business with that model was like uh we tried and tested like a lot of things uh even in the beginning yeah. our first step wasn't uh fabric wastages from factories it was fabric waste garment hmm. wastages from people um there are a lot of uh, garments that come into india india in itself doesn't have a collection system for uh, you know looking at collecting garment wastages from consumers so there was a lot of post consumer wastage that was coming into india and we started looking into remodeling and upcycling those products and this was back in 2008 uh 2007 when we were ideating on uh you know doodlech and at that point it was uh, so uh, we had started um, doodlech with post consumer wastages and we were collecting garments that were coming into india from uh, everywhere else and we started uh, upcycling garments that existed which back in 2007 2008 wasn't something that people were very willing to accept Uh, yeah, at all. Of, and, I imagine, and even yeah. now, like thrift is a culture with Gen Z and very young millennials, but um, is not uh, something that sails through you know the rest of the uh, country very well. And we're still picking up on the idea of secondhand clothing. So we moved yeah. to uh, post-production wastages. At that point, we had to create our own uh, setup, our own systems, our own uh, you know. ways of collecting fabric wastages uh, there wasn't a set pattern or a path or a, a system of uh, fabric collection and things like that so there was a lot of uh, learning curve during this time and there still is we're still experimenting with how we're going hmm. about the business uh, what works what doesn't work etc and i suppose i guess it also sort of has to evolve over time oh. to sort of keep matching definitely what's we started going on. with like we started with just upcycling then we had enough funds to look into recycling then we had enough funds to look into zero waste managing our own wastages then we looked into now we are planning to start something around uh, you know thrifting of clothing then you know you yeah. just keep experimenting and expanding in this space a lot of people sort of always question is sustainability a very scalable business is it something that you know it, can you sustain on this so the idea is that yes maybe upcycling mm-hmm. cannot grow uh vertically very well but there is so much to explore especially in india uh because there's so much room we still don't thrift it which is something that um, has been around the world forever uh 
so you know there's a lot of room for exploration which allowed us to grow i have an unscheduled question basically you know how you're saying that there's no particular process for people to upcycle yeah. at the moment is there do you have a something where people can send you their old clothes so we don't work with post consumer waste yet but uh, with uh, launching hmm. our thrift space we want to be able to invite hmm. consumers to do two things one you can repair with us so in case there is something that you have that has been sitting in your wardrobe and you want like and it's an expensive product and you would want to alter it but you don't know where to go um or you have something that needs to be restored that's something that we could help you with so that's an entire segment that we want to uh, cater to because for us the idea is to be able to create alternatives to uh, you know the way fashion is consumed while imp- continuing to employ more people in this space because yeah. it's not possible to shun away from fashion it's not possible to say that okay uh you know fashion industry is too polluting let's look at something else let's just stop buying clothes because we do have mm. enough clothes in our wardrobe and it's not going to start decomposing in your wardrobe right but at the same time there are so many people who are employed through fashion so it's extremely important to find absolutely and look for alternatives right so with repairing we want to be able to do that with thrifting we want to be able to do that so you can uh you should soon be able to send us clothes which whichever are in good condition we should we would be uh putting them up for reselling i should come out with like buckets of clothes out of several yeah. closets I in this house i have another sort of unscheduled question sorry sam um <laughs> no no go for it which is also that you know i've so i've basically been a doodledge fan for a while now so i'm sort of on the website fairly often um and i wanted to ask how you started sort of expanding into lifestyle a little bit as well so say that whether that be with stationery or with tableware yeah. and like i mean you're moving into sort of other categories so was that sort of just an organic move because of how the systems were sort of evolving or like so, was it that you found a better way to recycle something or so for us uh, we i think one it was like an organic transition but it was a transition we had planned for a while we have been working to sort of raise funds to be able to expand the idea of sustainability as a lifestyle that you should be able to switch to and then doodle should be able to become like your one stop shop uh yeah where you could look at uh, if you everything from like a you know a toothbrush to a home solution to a garment should all be available in one space for you to uh be able to make that switch um and uh, if you're looking for repairing you have that option if you're looking for just reselling your clothes you have that option so we want to be able to create like a more holistic space uh we're always short on funds to be able to expand into so many things um so we started like switching like expanding one thing expanding on one thing at a time and uh, yeah. with the lifestyle as a space we have been uh, during this course of pandemic we've been connecting with a lot of you know like minded uh, brands because we understand that you know you have most brands starting out you have enough funds to either invest in like product development or marketing aggressively hmm. so now that we have built you know an audience over time we've been uh, we want to be able to introduce more products to them but we might not have enough uh, funds to expand to all kinds of products so we then collaborate with multiple brands and say that you know 
you have this let's go create a collection and then um, connect consumers to like directly to these uh, brands so then yeah post our collaboration consumers can directly reach out to these brands and for us it's more important that we verify these brands we understand what they do we go behind the scenes hmm. we understand uh, where they're sourcing the material from so that we can uh, you know wholeheartedly sort of commit to the idea or of whatever they're doing and that we're sure that the thing that we're pitching to our consumer is the right product so we do our background check then we connect then we co-create and then we uh, launch a small collection of recently uh, handmade soaps before that uh, we had uh, ero ero who has uh, been working on uh, fabric wastages being converted and woven back into uh, hmm. you know fabric and then converting that into home collections because she has been working on like like clothes out of that product but not home wear we didn't have a home collection so it's sort of our very strategic uh, collaborations yeah. to launch more lifestyle products. Our next question is something I feel I'm in two minds to ask because on one hand I feel it's so overused now but I feel like it's also a little important. So how did the pandemic affect a business like Doodleage beyond just the logistical variables being compromised? So a lot of things yeah there is uh, you know during a pandemic there's a very different sentiment amongst consumers we started with consumers not even being uh, you know sure of if they want to receive any products at home right yeah. because you know there were viruses there were people coming into their houses so for a very long time uh say about 3 to f- at least 3 months in the initial first phase of pandemic people weren't ordering anything there were people who invested in Google yeah. they said you don't send us the stuff yet we'll tell you when we want the stuff and there mm-hmm. there are people who still haven't received their products so like it's okay you can store them for us and they've paid in full in advance etc but they haven't received their products so there were all kinds of, and then there were sentiments of you know people were genuinely suffering and it's not the time that they would go ahead and look at shopping as an option um, yeah then logistics definitely was an issue uh it was very difficult to uh, organize uh, not just products being sent out of the uh, studio but you know making sure that the people who are working for you are safe and are not getting infected because of hmm. you so uh, you know so your workforce convincing your workforce there was this whole period where you know everybody was just running back to their villages so getting uh, products from our vendors getting product uh, getting people in the studio to work everything became like a uh, mess of sorts and it took some time for people to get a grab of the situation uh, we took time to educate people uh, you know about mm. uh, sustainability sustainable fashion we looked at doing takeovers we sort of started and that is when we started looking at collaborations and things like that as well yeah so there were you know just like the pandemic has was just about getting settled a little bit post uh, you know like in january we were just about settling and then the second wave hit so now there's hmm. like a yeah whole new room of issues that have come back yeah i can i can imagine it's like not being able to catch a break cuz i feel like so many businesses sort of exactly and for businesses especially creative businesses it's 
so yeah. like you plan so much in ahead right like so much in advance you're always like 6 months ahead of time and now suddenly you are like i don't know what i'm designing for and that's not just us it's just you know we've been still around and catching up with other designers who are in that uh, in like homegrown brand kind of space and everybody is in the same mode you don't know who you're designing for or what you're designing for Uh, also cuz like i imagine the consumer sentiment can also just vary from like day to day i think yeah so it's a uh, it's been a weird time and you like you don't know what to or how to market the product as well right at this point yeah. like hmm. you want you can't you know be like your sit at home and use these discounts and keep shopping whatever is happening <laughs> yeah during that so it's like you have to be very sensitive about the content you are putting out uh, as well like especially things that we were sharing even on social media right you're still skeptical yeah. of uh, everybody is talking about covid relief and uh, you know you know exactly mm. what the situation in delhi and the entire country is at, at the same time you can't be like pushing around very polished photo shoots and yeah like that so it's it's a uh, It's been a tough time now, but uh, we're still glad that we're here and we're uh, you know sailing through and figuring out how to keep our uh, businesses afloat. Okay, so do you think a zero waste fashion manufacturing system is achievable in our lifetime? And if so, how do you think we can get there? Um, see, when you talk about a zero waste management system, it's uh, you have to think about. all the resources that are going into it it cannot just be you know uh, talking about the manufacturing waste it's about uh, people who are coming to the studio how are they consuming things you're literally talking about being responsible for everything that enters into uh, this space and everybody who's carrying whatever with them like even when you come to dublis the small things like if interns are ordering food from outside and it comes yeah. in packaging hmm. that becomes the waste that comes into your studio so how are you managing that and educating and inculcating that as a practice between the people who are working for you as well right so it's um, zero waste management and the resources that um, are going into electricity that you are consuming so it's it's achievable but at the same time it's very um, you know It, there's a lot of uh, cost implication to developing something yeah. like that, and yeah. at the same time, justifying that cost to the consumer. So everything that sort of uh, goes into making the product adds to the cost of the product. By the end of it, the battle is: is the consumer actually willing and ready to pay for that, um, you know, cost that uh, is, you know, environmental friendly, is zero waste, everything that. And I guess yeah. a way that maintains your overheads. Yeah, and you have to think about the end of the life of each product that go that goes out of your system. How are you bringing yeah. it back? How are you right. ensuring that at the end of its life, it comes back to you, and you optimize optimize the use of that product, right? So it's it's there's a lot more detail that goes into that people don't always realize when it comes to sort of a zero waste system. Like from what I'm understanding, from what you're yes. telling us. It's like I would I would not think of what happens after I've shipped the product to a customer. That's not something I would immediately consider. If only if I had to sit through an entire process. That's quite interesting. So it's it's how you create your product, how your consumer is discarding that product, how uh, what kind of electricity mm. you're using, what kind of packaging you're using, what is what kind of logistic yeah. system are you using? 
to deliver this product yeah so it's um, unless the entire infrastructure is there to support this for a brand it's uh, you know difficult to almost impossible to create like a zero waste entirely 100% sustainable fashion label i can vouch that doodless packaging is a delight to the see um anyway <laughs> okay other than upcycling what are some ways through which people can be let's say more conscious about their consumption of fashion at say the, the most basic level so at the most basic level you have to be one sure of what you're buying what are you purchasing yeah. uh, in terms of products and it's not uh, be conscious of uh, because as a consumer you have to understand that you have the power to be uh, making those choices and demanding better products right mm. so one yeah. looking at what you're investing in and who is making that product what kind of packaging is going into that product so understanding each of your purchases is it uh, you have options to thrift products you have option to swap products organizing hmm. yeah. and making those things fun because you know when you develop some principles and ethos and uh, yourself as an individual you knowingly or unknowingly start impacting people around you so just because you know at this like at the beginning of it they would question everything that you do and why you do etc but it would impact them somewhere that you know that there's this one person in the group who is doing something like this so and you start yeah. informing more people around it so that becomes one uh, you know thing that you're doing at a very personal level and then you know obviously looking at swapping uh, thrifting um, making every time you make a purchase make a wise purchase style wise as well as to how will you optimize the use of this particular product looking at capsule collections uh, in terms of your wardrobe discarding <laughs> you have made my day like we can see my brain exploding i know that's why he's not looking at me but i can't stop talking about capsule wardrobes and like one of the biggest things i'm trying and hopefully succeeding when i buy something i make sure i can style yeah. it in at least a minimum of three ways if not yeah. more because as a student i understand that okay if i want to buy something that's sustainably you know made sort of with ethical practices in mind it might not always be within my budget so what can i do within what i within my means to not add to yeah. a landfill or to buy you know um to just buy better or buy smarter. buy less but buy yeah, better yeah buy smarter buy versatile products uh be open to the idea of repairing a product because you know that's the culture that we need to be able to talk about more that it's okay to repair products it's okay to alter products it's okay to shape them if i need to and especially being in india you have so much yeah like so many unnecessary Access. privileges around you that you don't appreciate that um start utilizing them then and it's uh, something that you know we have grown up with this as a culture it's yeah. only a very recent shift to like at least for india it's only been a very recent shift that uh, you know this buying this starting yeah. i can't wear anybody else's yeah. clothes as mm. a business i know that all of us have grown up wearing like i don't yeah. like wearing everybody's clothes neighbors yeah, cousins friends, hand me downs friends, everything we've done so exactly hand me downs was such a popular thing 
So bringing back those cultures. So you've kind of segued us really well. I'm stopping you because I want to ask this question is related. How do you feel about the rise of resale in India? I mean, yes, there are thrift. You know, people are thrifting through Instagram, but the resale business, and this is something I found out recently. It's meant to grow up to I think sixty four billion dollars or something in the next four years. And companies like Vestier, because I understand people might not want to wear someone else's old H and M clothes. I'll give you that. Fine, but. you might want a vintage chanel that you're willing to buy but so how do you think that perception of resale is sort of and you have sort of answered it but how do you think that is changing or evolving within our sort of generation see i'll tell you that uh, like there is a massive part of the millennial generation as well who is a complete like who would not agree to buying thrifted hmm. clothes yeah. at all like There's a part That's of our so generation sad. who wouldn't uh, go thrifting, but one hundred percent, yeah, yeah. But there is, we're a very big and massive population, and everything and anything will come, at, like will have always come as a trickle down effect. So as more and more options are available for thrifting, you have to make everything very cool and desirable for people to make that switch. There hasn't still been. Why have people started? um looking into insta shops on you know on thrifting reselling pre loved clothes because they look really cool they're like good looking clothes they are uh, they're you know made to have like a thrift feel this is the first time thrifting has a vibe um in our country yeah a character hmm. to it exactly before that it didn't have a character so while you build that character you because it's not easy to you're talking about like a paradigm shift in how people have been purchasing for the last 70 years so that switch yeah. is not yeah. going to happen overnight you will have to create and make it desirable that this is the new cool thing and then people will slowly start being okay with it adapting to it you'll wear it your friend will notice it then you know you'd look back at the idea of you know i am not wearing the same clothes that my friend is wearing so that and yeah because thrifting in itself is a lot about styling right it's a lot about and yeah that's something that not everybody has that you know uh, sense of doesn't have that confidence so that is changing with this newer generation that confidence in wearing what they're wearing body positivity looking hunting thrifting is is a culture that's just coming about so as yeah. sort of thing sort of uh, as you make it more and more easy for uh, the new consumer to uh, adapt this culture i should be able to go online and buy this from a very trusted source at some point right yeah right now that's not the thing you are looking at some insta shop you're trusting that insta shop and you're transferring the full money to this insta shop and then getting your product now imagine your uh, your mother doing this exactly <laughs> my mother so, my mother buys so much i'm not getting into this it's like triggering something exactly. so that kind of confidence that kind of frivolous nature in itself is not associated with uh, you know certain generation so we will yeah uh, take some time getting there but uh, once with ease of uh, you know business buying selling of thrifted clothes i think it will be a culture that would sort of become yeah. a more okay thing
so this is a question that I that was coming up earlier and then I stopped you which is so the shirt that I'm wearing this doodle shirt um I bought this 3 years ago be- also because it was unlike any other men's shirt that I could find especially within sort of the price range that I was looking for what is your approach to menswear and sort of going about design and in general and making things look interesting so i'll tell you that uh, as much as so for us menswear has never been a strong point we haven't approached it like that at all uh yeah. again when we started menswear was very like uh, like much less experimental than what it is today there's a very small group of people yeah. who were open to the idea of wearing things that um you know being confident about wearing something that is not a usual typical shirt from a brand and a fit and a fabric that comes from because you know it's it's a very corporate uh yeah field because again uh the consumer that we're catering to is already like a working man uh who is going to uh, yeah. uh an office to sit etc so a lot of people who didn't did not gel with that vibe but a lot of people on the other hand approached us to create clothes that uh, we made for women's wear into their products so literally that is what our menswear is an offshoot of that you know we created that as that the that the consumer was so confident about wearing what they're wearing they would go on our website and be like okay i like this patchwork i like this fabric and you can wear it yeah. to a shirt a long kurta mm. or whatever so whatever they were comfortable with wearing but uh believed in the ethos of the brand wanted to be, you know get something what we created so it's a very customized kind of relationship when it comes to our menswear products um we hope to be able to expand into menswear a lot more uh i think we uh, should be looking at uh, launching another just shirts kind of line and hmm. uh, like like i said we're evolving kind of brand so we uh, yeah cuz like i mean i remember when i saw this it was like the issue is i would love to shop in the women's section because the cuts and the sort of folds of the clothes are more interesting but they don't physically don't fit me because i have the body of a man so when i saw this shirt i was like oh that's actually really interesting and it will fit my shoulders purchase yeah also when you said you hope to expand to more shirts i just saw veer's brain like have a bit of a light bulb hang <laughs> at the back yeah so we do that we uh one we create like i'll start saving now into menswear we yeah. customize okay. it for menswear sizes as well So that's what we've been doing for quite a while because we know that there's a very niche audience for it who is quite open to uh buying and wearing I'll be in touch. Yeah. So you just customize. You tell us this what you like to <laughs> make it for you. <laughs> so how would you describe the doodleage person? Who are they and what are they like? So I would genuinely say that we work with pretty much anybody and everybody who's interested to uh in like ideally I would want everybody who's shopping from Doodlish to have the same ethos as the brand um yeah. while they're yeah. buying and investing in a Doodlish product I would want them to come back and repair things with us whenever they grow big or grow small they rework on the garment with us and we do have those kind of people we have people who would yeah. contact back uh after like five years and say you know i bought something from you and now that's stained can you remake it and then we'd be like you know we can also fix that and you can buy something else how about that so you yeah. know we do things like that and we are happy to have that kind of a consumer base they're mostly you know young urban uh, millennial consumers but at the same time 
some of our favorite clients come from very random uh, spaces as well and uh, we're usually very surprised as to how did they even get to know about the brand in the village that they stay yeah. in and there are times that we have not been able to deliver to those clients directly to their postal address mm. there is one uh, uh post office where the product will go to which is going to be you know several hours away from where they stay and they'd come and pick up their parcel from that particular mm. space so we want so oh, wow. had that kind of clients so and we're more like it just excites us to know that uh, yeah you know mm-hmm. our ideal customer is anywhere and everywhere and is an age group anywhere yeah, and the reach goes beyond yeah, city and is yeah. like a 60 year old person also and is a 12 year old girl also so it's uh, <laughs> more to do with the uh, resonating with the vibe of the brand and i feel that uh, thankfully there are a lot of people who just genuinely now care and uh, yeah mm-hmm. have been like we've been able to work towards creating that message at the same time we also say that uh, you know we create fashion products and they happen to be hmm. uh, whatever other ethos behind it is more for us and uh, yeah. it, makes, it yeah. lets us sleep better in the night so you know, <laughs> you're just buying another shirt <laughs> which looks good on you so so speaking of sh- shirts that look good whose style do you admire uh as a person as a person a celebrity a cartoon Anything. it doesn't matter i really don't know man there are just you know there are a lot of people i just as a style i have a very unisex uh, very general and fuss free kind of style i would always i love wearing like monotone clothes and things like that so literally anybody who is in the scene to uh like i'm not a very let's uh, wear glamorous uh, clothes that i'll wear one time kind of person yeah. so i ha- like i have a very generic like anybody from like a kiran rao to a shobana azmi to a uh, tilo uh, to a i don't know even a robert downey junior would work man so it's really pretty much anybody who is uh, yeah. very generic in their uh, also for anybody Again, this is this is not a self plug, Veer. So don't it's say anything. It's a self plug. But no, it's she not. She self plugs every episode. Anybody who has shut up. Anybody who follows me on Instagram knows how obsessed I am with white shirts. Kriti is wearing a white shirt, and I am even more obsessed. That that's not a self plug. It doesn't count. You are literally count. directing people to your Instagram. <laughs> There is um, like I remember when I was I think eighteen. I was telling my dad that after. Um, I think I told him that after I'm 40 I'll only wear white um you know shorts. And uh my and now that 40 is not very far away from where I am. It's like why would I have said that? <laughs> 40 is not that old. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> like at that time 40 sounded like shirt. death. So someone stop me from collecting more. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Okay, what comes so we play this game with every guest. So we're going to give you three words and instantly what comes to mind you have to say, okay? So the first word is design. Uh creativity. Okay. Innovation. Hmm. Unique and future. Future, sustainable. Nice. Nice. Okay. 
who would you choose to play you in a biopic based on your life? Eh, please don't make a biopic about my life. I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this is. Don't make a biopic about my life ever. I hope that's 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 it. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't. I'm that person who doesn't okay. post pictures. I think my last Instagram post is a back of a model. It's not even me. She just has short hair, and I had short hair. And people assume that it's me, but that's it. So I am that Love cryptic. It. So don't look into my life, you guys. I can I can verify this because I was tra- stalking your profile yesterday to find a picture that I could use for the album art for the album art I'm saying for the episode artwork that I have to draw later, and I'm just like, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yep. And there's literally one picture that goes on everything with the black turtleneck. Yes, and it has those glasses. <laughs> and that picture is, I would like to say, six years old. I haven't had long hair in that that long, but uh, <laughs> I've had in oh, from that picture. I've had uh, buzz. I have I have had crew. I have had like really tiny hair, and then I have had this length of hair. But that's one picture that's been there. So I, in short, don't make a biopic. Yes, it. I'm the first guest who's turned around. Dude, like, I, I don't, don't want it. Much. Don't make it. Okay, last question of the evening. Where can we find you and your work on the internet? Uh, on our website, Dudledge. In. <laughs> Got it. Great. <laughs> we'll see you there. Yes. Oh, this was too much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad I could. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tuesday Wine Club. Remember to follow us on Instagram at the Tuesday Wine Club. Sam and my personal handles can be found on the same account. Come stalk our profiles. We love the extra engagement. You already knew that. We self plug every episode. Review the podcast wherever you're listening to this, so that hey, we get more listeners to chat shit too. Until next week, stay safe.